Gregoire and Dan Beeson are smart enough to know better. Thank you. Blowing up terrorists. We're going to go fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. So that fine fellow at the start introducing us was none other than Daniel Jackson himself from (gasps) Stargate SG-1. I don't know what those are. (laughs) My interest in Stargate stopped after the wonderful film. Well, you know, in the wonderful film, there was an actor by the name of James Spader who played Daniel Jackson. Oh, he was good. Well, they didn't get him back for the TV show. They got a man by the name of Michael Shanks. And Michael Shanks very nicely did our introduction for us. So thank you to Scott for haranguing a star. (laughs) You can hear the bemusement in his voice. You can hear him going, (laughs) what what am I saying? Why am I doing this? But thank you, Michael Shanks, for for introducing our podcast. Oh, I love a bit of bemusement. Yes. I'm a bit bit on edge today, actually. So am I, actually. I'm a bit excited. I'm a bit excited. Oh, really? Why? 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 Well, I had a phone number and I SMSed this person and I said, Hey, I'm I'm going to be in town, and and maybe we we could meet up. And he said, "Give me a call right now." And so oh. I I hit the button and called him up, and the voice answered. And suddenly, I was speaking to science communicator Carl Krusenitzky. Get out on of the here. phone! On the phone! I, I didn't know. Think he, I I think he just he was plugged into a radio. I don't think he actually existed. No, it's well. I mean, maybe it's just that they plugged him into a phone. <laughs> He's like, "Call me now while I'm still plugged in," because oh. I have to recharge in and the evening. <laughs> Me and Stephen Hawking. That's very cool. Yep. So you're now on voice-to-voice communication level with Carl Krishnesky. Not only that, I'm going to go down there in, in, in a month and I'm just going to hang out with him. Oh! And he said, is Greg coming? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not telling him did about he know, did, he, did, he, did he know who I was? Did he honestly ask if I was coming? Um, well, uh, I said, Greg and I do the show on oh, 612 oh, Brisbane on right. Wednesday afternoons. Oh, okay. For a b- I could come. And I he could, said, I could, oh, so is Greg coming? I could come. I, I, you didn't ask me. I'm going down to meet the people from Red versus Blue. I, I don't want to come anymore. Oh, all right then. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I, I don't watch it. I don't know. I just like <laughs> crapping on the things you love. Yeah, that's, I that's, know. That's all it is. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. that's, the, the frog princess wants you to stop that, by the way. No, she could make me. Uh, don't make me. That's, I have to have some fun. But that's very cool. So you are going to be hobnobbing with the creme de la creme mm. of science elite. Okay. Now, we were talk, just talking about red versus blue and the rooster teeth guys. We were. Who I'm going to go and meet. Ooh, because I'm just that's very, that's I, very I, exciting. I'm, I'm a bit starry, starry-eyed, starstruck, starstruck, starstruck. I'm a little bit starstruck Ooh. talking to Doctor Carl on the yeah, phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wonder how that works because I heard his voice yes. in the earpiece, and my brain recognised that voice from mm. a particular part of my memories mm. and linked them up and went, "That's the same guy." And went, "He's no, the but- man who assassinated my parents in an alley, making me Batman." Doctor Carl turns <laughs> into the Joker. Well, Joker didn't kill Batman. Only in the Tim Burton says so. Yeah, yeah, Tim Burton can go and jump off a Johnny Depp. <laughs> Into a Depp hole. Into a Depp. Deep in the Depp hole. Sorry. <laughs> what is about Where is I going? Uh, I got, I, you're starstruck. Your brain picked up yeah. memories. So, Come on, and, then, and my whole body just went all a bit sort of oh. tingly and stuff. So, But how does that work? Why does that work? 
Why does my body? Why is that my body's response? It's ridiculous. It's the same reason that when you see famous people, uh, well, and you walk past them on the street, and your brain goes, "You should probably say hi to that guy. He's a friend of yours. You know that guy. Yeah. You see him more often than you see your partner." And you go, "Oh no, it's not. It's it's Michael Shanks from Stargate. You know what I mean? It's, oh, it's, right. We've never met, but your brain still has. You have a relationship with that person, and so I try not to mistake that relationship that I have with them yeah. as they have a relationship with me because mm. they don't. No. And and look, I'll be very big headed here for a moment we've kind of had that this with the podcast too i've had people say to me on the phone oh we uh, it's funny i've just had a conversation with you and i sit there and go what and then i realize what they're saying is i've been listening to you on the podcast and it's but it's like in their defense i rarely let other people get a word in in conversation <laughs> it's so very similar it's very similar to a real conversation <laughs> with me so it, it's the same thing i think it, they they have a relationship with you and people forget we've done a lot of things on stage and, and people do come up to you and talk to you like your best friends and you stand there and go oh, okay mm-hmm. and it takes you a while to go hey thanks i'm glad you enjoyed it instead of going get away from me I've never met you. Of course they've met you. They've met your persona. They know yeah. who you are. You put yourself out there like we are right now. I, uh, Don't I met, be feel bad about I, it. I met Daniel from Thank God You're Here. I performed a show with him mm. a couple of years ago. And I, I looked at him and my brain went, oh, there's that guy you know. You should say hi. And another part of my brain was like, there's something missing. Shouldn't there be a rectangle between us? <laughs> <laughs> I have the same thing with Van Gogh. Because there's normally a rectangle between us as well. Uh, See, it's a, it's a painting. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. He's right. also He's usually... Wait, if you looked at him now, would he be more swirly or less swirly? <laughs> He's more uh, in my lungs. So, Rooster Teeth. Oh, sorry. Yes. They, uh, they're, they're having a big expo soon. Oh, okay. The Rooster Teeth Expo. Oh. So they're, they're trailing that? in... What's, okay, yeah. They're trailing after the Penny Arcade guys oh, okay. who do a webcomic. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. they do packs. Packs. It's very big. Mm. And, and, and I know we have to be very careful. Do not, whatever we do, say anything bad about Penny Arcade. No, no. one of them will find out and he will hunt us down. Yeah. No matter what you say, I, I, don't, I, I don't know much about what happened here. Yeah. I know that someone said something nasty about him and he, his quote was, I'm paraphrasing, I will burn my empire to the ground to hurt you because that's the guy I am. catch you in the flames. And I was like, oh, oh, and then you were saying, we're going to talk about Penny Arcade. I was like, all I know is he's going to burn me. Yeah, no, we've got to be careful. Okay. Very good expo. Uh, I, it's a wonderful expo. Wonderful expo. <laughs> so yeah, so they're doing PAX. PAX. And uh, Rooster Teeth. PAX, Penny Arcade. Expo. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, yep, yeah, yeah, cool. And Rooster Teeth are doing RTX. RTX, Rooster Teeth Expo, cool. Smart enough should totally have an expo. We should. That's a very good idea. We've reached that stage. We're we going to invite. We can, we can fill a coffee house. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to organise a pub or something. Oh. Now, if you want to be involved in Smart Enough Expo with Greg yes, and right. myself. Because both are two Smart Enough Expo kind of guys. Yeah. We haven't really come up with a name yet, though. We don't really know what we call no, it. So no. So Smart Enough Expo. We'll figure it out. I know. If it has to be something that men really like and women really like, uh. that people would do anything for. Uh. Yeah. Smart Enough Expo. Uh. Uh, I, I can't think of it. Oh, well, I'm sure it'll come to us later, Oz. I, 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 I got it. 2KX. No, it doesn't work. Mm. Smart Enough Expo. Uh, look, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll smart come later. Smart. So we will organise it in some sort of uh, bar or... Um... <laughs> it's true. That's where Smart Enough Expo is normally after. You go to a bar and then afterwards you have a Smart Enough Expo. Oh, we might do it at the same time. At the same time. Yeah, oh, cool. We'll have the Smart Enough Expo at the bar. At the bar. Okay. So I don't know whether come... I've ever seen that before. Yeah, I'm not sure there'll be that. No, I'm, in fact, I'm sure I haven't. Yes. But I, we're, we're going to organise it and... If you'd like to be involved and come along, make sure you watch the Twitter feeds and the website. We're going to have a Smart Enough Expo in yep. Brisbane yep. very soon. Yep. And we're going to have a, a drink with all our fans and, and people hate us as well. Yeah. And, and we, we actually want to meet those guys. Yeah. yeah. We're like a rumble. We'll be like... Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-
No, I'm just going to beg them. Beg them for forgiveness. <laughs> Blame me. Please, I it want to be loved. It was that man. It was Greg. It was Greg. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get a, a six-pack of beer. I'm going to drink all the beer and just leave the bottles in my kitchen. And I'm just going to let them accumulate. I can't wait to hear that interview. That was Mr. Bob Apthorpe, nuclear scientist guy, who's uh, talking to us on the radio. Well, on the on Skype, anyway. What century do I come from? I always forget. <laughs> he sent his his half of the interview via carrier pigeon, and we had to splice them together. That's Editing, right. that was nightmare. <laughs> had to get rid of all the coups. <laughs> you know, it was very exciting. I, talking about nuclear power was very exciting, and you'll love the interview. But you, you know what else is really exciting? Really, really exciting. And hold on to your brain cells, everyone. Yep. But <laughs> opportunity, opportunity, you know, the rover on Mars. Oh, yes. It's rolling again! It's alive! Wait, the one that died? No, 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 Spirit's dead. I'm no, I know Spirit's dead. But the no, other no. one that oh, I, 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 went to sleep. They're it, always shutting down. No, 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 no. no it, so it's back up? It goes to, it, went, it went to sleep during the winter, Martian winter. Yes. So it was December 26th in 2011. It shut down. And they were quite confident. NASA was quite confident that it would wake up again when the sunlight got high enough and had enough energy. And it did! It woke up again! So on May the 8th, so we're a bit late, sorry guys, but on May the 8th, then it, uh, it woke up again, and it's been wandering around. It, it went for a bit of a, a three-and-a-half-meter walk, and it turned around and had a look where it Doing was Doing jumps? It, it, I mean, it's just like stretching. Uh, bit of a handbrake turn? And, and they had to be really careful, though. Like, it's, it's, the energy is so low. The sunlight levels of energy are so low that if they try and go with a southward facing, they won't get enough sunlight on the oh, right. So they've got to keep it on a, on a certain angle the whole time. It's like using a sailboat. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah, it is. Across and, and the dunes. Because otherwise it won't get enough sunlight. And they're hoping that they, like a sand devil or something like that will come along, like, like, a, like a whirlwind, yep. and blow the... That's what's been keeping these things going for so long. Every so oh. often, just, they didn't take this into account, but suddenly the wind picks up. The very, 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 like, I think it's like 1, 0.1 of an atmosphere or something like that. Well, 0.01? Walk of shame, but anyway, uh, a very, very small number of, of atmospheres on Mars. And, but they do have dust devils and things. Wow. And it blows off the red dust from the solar cells. They're hoping that will happen again and give it Why some more time. Why don't they just time. stick wipers on them? Well, because they, that's, that's another just moving part. Just a And more energy. <laughs> Wouldn't it be sad if they used the energy to wipe the dust off and then it killed the craft, using the energy to wipe the dust off? Oh, Ooh, irony. Yeah. That would be, isn't it ironic? Yes, it is. It's like rubbing the dust Did you off. Did say, say ironic or ironic? erotic? Ero- I, 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 because what, Lance what Morissette is all about the nudity. What did you want me to say, Dan? Are you pretending to be a Lance Morissette? I could do that. I could be a jagged little pill. Ooh, Ooh. 90s reference. <laughs> Welcome to the interview portion of the podcast. Ooh. Duck and cover, because <laughs> we have got someone who knows about nuclear power in the room. He's a senior nuclear oh. engineer and a nuclear safety analyst. That makes him Homer Simpson. Round of applause <laughs> for Homer Simpson. No, no, it's not Homer Simpson. It's Mr. Bob Apthorpe. Woo! Howdy. <laughs> Have you ever been compared to Homer Simpson before? Oh, actually, Homer Simpson's alive and well. The one we're worried really about is Smithers. Oh, uh, and back in the day when I worked at the power plant, me and my carpool uh, mate were uh, working on our uh, Mr. Burns impressions because it was management track. <laughs> right. So, uh, yes, Bob is as a senior nuclear engineer, and we thought we'd get him in today to talk all things nuclear, nuclear power especially. Now, for those who might not know, Australia has no nuclear power. We have a nuclear reactor, only one in Sydney, but that's only for medical research. But 
other than that, we have nu no nuclear power because there's a bit of an anathema in this country. And I think some countries in the world have a lot of nuclear power. Some don't have any. And we just thought today we'd maybe discuss these sort of issues. Why are some people worried about nuclear power? Should they be nuclear? Uh, worried about nuclear power? What the hell is nuclear power? And everything in between. <laughs> We're wondering, just start very, very basic. What is nuclear power? I mean, it, it, it sounds very exciting. Well, back in the 1920s and 30s, as people were figuring out what stuff was made out of and looking further and further down at tinier and tinier levels, they finally got to the nucleus of the atom. And they found that if you poke it with a neutron in certain materials, mm -hmm. you can make the, the nucleus of the atom unstable and it breaks apart. And it's held together with a certain amount of energy. So when it breaks apart, it's it's sort of like it goes from like one kind of liquid drop into two or three little liquid drops, and then it kind of snaps apart. And when it does that, it releases energy and more neutrons. Right. So the basic process is to kind of prod the nuclei with, with neutrons, have pop apart, and you get resulting heat and more neutrons for keeping the reaction going. So that's in a nutshell. That's kind of the magic of the whole game. Right. I've always been really, really amazed when I learned about nuclear power. Always, you hear, oh, it sounds very interesting. You're poking a neutron, as you said, and splitting nuclei apart. But really, when it comes down to generating nuclear power is just boiling a kettle. Like uh, that. It's it, it's one of those things that, like, you go through all the, you know, it's like learning the basic physics of everything, and then you get further and further into the nucleus, and then, you know, it's like, wow, this is really amazing physics. And then it's like, okay, how do you generate power with this? Oh, we just boil water and run it through a turbine like yeah. everything else. Get something spinning. Right. It's, right, yeah. Spin. <laughs> yeah, it's like a spin a big magnet. That's right. Yeah. Our friend, the electromagnetic force, wins again. That's yes, right. it's like all roads lead through magnet. That's right. More magnets. <laughs> That's what you must need. Okay, so with so we generating power in this way and i think the first thing that most people think well I, i'm going to say i'm going to speak for myself and therefore everyone else in the world yes there's an idea yes that nuclear power yes is dangerous godzilla godzilla there you go and bad, badness will oh, happen. definitely if you have nuclear power you, you're going to have explosions and you're going to have three-eyed fish and you're going to have godzilla and you're going to have is, is that even something we should be worried about is that is that a realistic idea obviously the names like fukushima recently and Chernobyl, mm -hmm. these sort of big names that leap up. Are they being blown out of proportion, do you think? Or is it, is it a, a well, realistic uh, fear? I think there's a, the reason people are afraid of nuclear power is, is it's very complex and it's as fascinating a uh, topic as, as the generation of power itself. I, I would say in general, you look at all the risks that people face from choking, drowning, industrial accidents. I mean, the, the whole, you know, go through the... You know, the long list of you know the obituary column, and there's you know, all sorts of all sorts of ways that nature conspires to get rid of us. So, I mean, nuclear nuclear power is in there, but it's relatively low ranking. I mean, it's, really? you know, the problem is, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, you have more people killed like in, in sporting activities than than by nuclear power. But then again, more people participate in sporting activities, and you know, there's it, it gets into you know, you can't just take the it's like, well, you know, let's look at the body count. I mean, coal's got a fantastically huge body count. Yes. You know, yes. Particle, particles going into the air and people getting lung cancer from that and, and you know, the amount of radiation yeah, that radiation. comes off a coal plant. That's a really good which point. Which you don't people think don't, about. No, that's but, a, people don't realize that, Bob. I, I realize that, that as burning coal releases radioactive material into the air, quite a bit of it. Right, and it's unmonitored, so it goes straight up the stack and it's like, oh, well, you know, we don't have to account for it, so we don't, and well, 
well, there you go. And granted, when a coal plant starts on fire, it's like, well, you know, you're not going to have as much panic. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to kill anybody in the immediate neighborhood. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, it's spewing this stuff for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, what's it doing downstream? Yeah. You know, but, 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 you, you accept that because of how long of a time span it occurs over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Back in the late 1800s, they, they learned how to just filter all of that pollution through orphans and chimney sweeps, right? Is that how oh, that works? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Into the lungs of the um, chimney sweeps, and then fresh air would come out. That's right, from the backside. Really, that, that's why we had scullery maids and, that's, and you know. That's why I had a scullery maid. Yeah, so, well, the comedy, the comedy blimp used to be uh, coal-powered, but now we just burn scullery maids because they're so high uh, in energy, so it's good. You can't keep a good scullery maid down. That's true. They're you can set her on fire, apparently. Quite buoyant. <laughs> <laughs> the updraft from burning them See, keeps that, them to the air. Not only as a power source, but also for, for le- lift. That's right. Well, that's right. A scullery made is 101 uses. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we have this, this idea that so nuclear power, you're saying it, it's a, ex- there is a risk, but it's an acceptable risk. Well, I think if it wasn't an acceptable risk, we'd stop doing it. I mean, there's in a, since we're doing it, we obviously accept the risks. Mm. At some places, they've said, "Well, we don't we don't believe the risks are worth it," so they've turned their their plants off. And it does come back to a kind of a social decision. I mean, you don't want everything run by the technocrats. But on the other hand, it would be nice occasionally to maybe listen to the technocrats and like look at the actual data on on this. I mean, more take for example, solar power has a fairly high death per kilowatt ratio, which you wouldn't. Does think it? of, but okay. it actually does. Like sunburn? Fact, uh, no. Oddly enough, it's people falling off roofs during installation. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And, yeah. and I, mean, I mean, we don't want to laugh at people losing their life, you know, from that. But yes, I mean, we it's, do. It's not, we just did. Well, okay, well, no, but we didn't uh, want to, no, we didn't is want what he's to. saying. No, we didn't, we didn't want to. That was a, that was a natural but, reflex we couldn't contain. Right. <laughs> there are things that are funny and there are things that we can laugh at. We sure. all know that. Sure. So... <laughs> No, but it, seriously, it's, it's, it's because solar produces so few megawatts that any death, you know, if you measure it death per megawatt, any death is going to be a, oh, I see. a far yeah. larger impact than a nuclear plant that's going to generate 1,200, 1,400 megawatts of electricity. I mean, mm. it's just they, it just produces so much that oh, any ill effects are really swamped under the benefits you get from it. Much more dangerous roofs on the nuclear reactors, though. That's right. You get up on top of that thing and you're in all sorts of trouble. That's what you don't want anywhere near it. Oh, yeah. I always guess that people think, oh, well, once again, Chernobyl or Fukushima, these are older reactors as well, old technology. It's not as if you have, it's not like your iPhone that you're going to update every year and be the new latest technology. A reactor gets built and has a life of so many decades. But even when, right. it's, even when it's built, I assume it wasn't state-of-the-art technology design. It was still an old design. You would be surprised at how old the technology is that goes into these these plants. Not that it's archaic, but that it's extremely well-tested and reliable. You don't use a lot of cutting-edge technology, mainly because you don't know how it behaves in a... Uh. I mean, you don't, you don't have... You don't have decades of pedigree on it. I mean, you would be surprised at, like, all the analog logic that goes on. You think there's, like, a big computer that would control a lot of the power plants and, you know, you could just hack in and poke at things. Most, mm-hmm. of, that, most of the nuclear plants are, are based on, like, relay-based controls, so it's all analog. Goodness me, so, really? Yeah. I mean, which <laughs> is, you think, oh, there's got to be fiber optic and it's going to be all shiny. It's like, no, this is stuff they ordered out of a catalog in 1975. Because so, <laughs> that's when they were, all, they were all designed in 1975 and then... Somebody thought about building them in 1980, and then by 1985, they actually poured concrete, and by 1990, it was running. So that there's this long lead time. It's weird, because you would think that there would be, they'd be more on the cutting edge of technology, mm. but it's sort of like NASA. A lot of 
the stuff they use is we would normally call obsolete, but it's also really well understood. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The, the thing, problem with cutting-edge technology, of course, is that edge it's is quite, uh, yes. quite, quite dangerous. <laughs> That's right. But especially, yeah. When, yeah. especially when they use the word bleeding edge, because yeah. normally uh, when, when, when your whole city could be the yeah. one bleeding, you don't really want that technology. We're, we're, in, on we're, we're having a bit of a problem. We would update the, uh, the, the nuclear power reactor, but unfortunately it's now a paste. <laughs> Right. Is there newer reactors? Are there more safer designs as type things go well, on, or is that something that, or is it just the same things gets getting progressed up? Is, well, hang, what I'm trying to say is, is it a, a an evolution or a revolution with designs of nuclear reactors? Typically, the big power reactors are all evolutionary designs. They learn some things and they decide, it's like, well, maybe there's a better way of doing what we did in the last generation. We'll we'll change our design for the next generation. And you can see that with like the general electric power plants with the shape of their containment buildings getting larger and larger as time goes on. The Fukushima reactors are some of the really you know older reactors. I mean, they were the first one went online when Nixon was still president in the U.S. So that gives you an idea. Yeah, the, you could still get leaded gasoline. and <laughs> that's, so. that's very, okay, that's, that's interesting. So <laughs> the, they, uh, they still get horses to deliver the uranium. And, well, right. <laughs> so in People, their mouth, carried by their mouths. Ben still wore hats. Oh, good, good lord. <laughs> Getting maybe into specifics here about Fukushima, I'm not sure if you can answer this or not, but I'd heard that one of the big issues uh, was when the tidal wave, well, they lost power, obviously, and that meant the reactor was no longer able to pump coolant through. But then a secondary diesel-powered engine kicked in so it could still get coolant around it. But then that was all flooded by the, by the tidal wave. So there's no way of actually cooling the reactor. Tidal wave? Are you from the exactly. 1940s? Oh, this, oh, a tidal wave is a tsunami, is a tidal All wave. Right. And, and I'm going to back it up. XKCD backs me up on this one. All right. So I'm going to get the comic and put it on there and make sure everyone feels bad about themselves. Okay. Is that, so uh, going back to the question, though, is that, was that <laughs> correct or do you know much about that? Well, I'm not going to argue with Randall Monroe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He knows all, and he's much more talented than I'll ever be. But uh, no, seriously, um, you, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, what got me interested in all this the morning of the accident, I guess the morning when I learned about it, was first the earthquake. You expect that, okay, a large earthquake is going to knock down the power lines because they're fairly fragile. And that's, that's not good, but it's you know not the worst thing in the world because you know all of these power plants are backed up by diesel generators. Mm. So looking, it's like, okay, is everybody shut down? Does everyone have their diesels running? And you know, I'm looking at the Japanese plants, and it's like, yes, 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 no, yes, yes. Wait, no? How long have they been without diesels? Well, over 90 minutes. It's like, that's bad. Right. But yeah, it's essentially, for one thing, you were dealing with a tsunami that was, was larger than they had anticipated. I mean, it was still larger than the largest one that they had designed the mm. plants to survive against. But also, they had all of all the power switching equipment, what they call switch gear, for the diesel generators underneath the diesel generators. So when the tsunami came over and flooded everything, it basically flooded all of their ability to distribute power. So even if they had the diesels, they couldn't have got the power to where it needed to be anyways. I mean, to a certain extent, you have to ask, well, why were the diesels located? That's, yes. That. But, I mean, you also can't design for everything. Again, mm. at some point you say, it's like, okay, this is what we're defending against because it hasn't happened in over 300 years and, you know, you design for that and, you know, hopefully you have enough levels of defense that if that design assumption gets violated, you have other ways to work around it. Sure. It seemed like the guys at Fukushima really couldn't catch a break on, yeah, on anything. It's everything came was. Now, hey, um, this might be a silly question, Bob, but and this shows my lack of knowledge of nuclear, uh, nuclear reactors, but you're in a reactor that generates power. Why can't it generate its power so it can make its own coolant 
distribution. Uh, distribution. It, you just don't say here. Electricity, it could generate electricity so it could run its own coolant. Well, actually, to a certain extent, it does. Oh, okay. uh, there's, it's not a stupid question at all. Um, yes. It, hey. I asked a non-stupid question. Hey. That's one for six Yay. today. <laughs> Every question I've asked today, everything else is stupid. Nice. And for those of us keeping score at home. <laughs> uh, so there's a, in that vintage reactor, they have uh, a system called the reactor core isolation cooling system. Or, uh, in par- in uh, nuclear parlance, it's abbreviated as RICSI. RCIC, and it's basically a little steam-driven pump. So what they do is they bleed steam off of the reactor, run it through the pump, and then run it through this little turbine, and then turbine drives the pump to circulate coolant. And that'll work as long as you've maintained reactor pressure, which is at about 1,000 PSI. I don't know what that turns into in pascals for uh, metric users. I should, I, I really should know. I should know that. Us very clever metric users. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I feel like at times I have to translate from ancient Aramaic to what the rest of the world uses when I'm going between, you know, English. How old are these reactors? That's, I knew they were old like, designs. Yes, well, the, the pharaohs would sit on their porch whittling them. You know, <laughs> right. Get out there with a knife and a log. And Make for me a, a nuclear reactor yeah. 42 cubits by 75 <laughs> Cubits. The first reactor. Oh, it's just 74 a... cubits. Now, do, oh, do we have to write that up? It's like more papyrus work. And the first one was actually the Tower of Babel. What was left of that? They just scooped well, the that light was, out and started it. That, that, that was actually the cooling Tower of Babel. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're here all night. <laughs> so, so, so it bleeds. So you say um, about a thousand psi. So it bleeds off this steam, and it can actually run right. it to, as long as it stays at that pressure. It can actually cool right. itself down. Right. So what what happens though? So when it, when it lost power, it was running. It can no longer generate. It should have been generating its own power. Yeah. Why did it Why did it need power from outside then? Well, they didn't have the the diesel generators. See, there's, there's actually three kinds of power that you have if you've lost offsite. What they call offsite power, or the the power lines coming into the plants. It's sort of ironic that a nuclear plant, like something that generates electricity, needs electricity to, you know, survive. Mm. Yes. And, and this gets to the you, as you were asking about about design changes. You know, originally the big risk people thought of for nuclear plants was what if one of these big coolant pipes breaks? And so they made you know they put all their effort into like you know we'll analyze what happens if the pipe breaks and we'll make this extra strong and we'll you know do all this stuff to defend against the pipe break and what they weren't watching for was for example well what if we lost all our electrical power it's like well that could never happen it's like we got <laughs> if we're a power plant we got plenty of power well maybe you don't and what happens if you don't get your power back in 24 hours it's like uh yeah. well uh well we have a diesel generator well what if that goes away it's like yeah. uh we've got we've, we've got, got, some got a guy in overalls with some sawdust and a, and a <laughs> boiler yeah, we've, is... we've got a big crank on the side. <laughs> right. A whole of scullery maids. A whole of scullery. <laughs> so, but it's so they they've got batteries, but the batteries are mainly there for DC power loads. Mm. You know, instrumentation and small valves and stuff. You need diesel generators making AC power to run like big motors for fans and. And right. pumps and some valves and stuff, and then you also have uh, an air compressor. You have a compressed air system, which can also be used to open valves. So those are like your three, the three pieces of you know, the three things that you can use to like change the condition of the plant when you've lost offsite power. But if you've lost your diesel generators, you've got no way to charge your batteries or keep your 
batteries from going dead in, right, in yes. say, okay. you know, eight, eight hours. I mean, they're not meant for running big pumps. They're meant for, you know, little things. Sure. Mm. And then if you only have so much air, compressed air you know, in your air compressors. You start running out of ways of doing things pretty quickly. I mean, with the, quickly with, meaning in a couple of hours. So you have a couple of hours to try and get it will power back online. I see. Right. So with the more modern reactors then, so if Australia was going to start building a reactor now, then we wouldn't use technology from the 1970s. Hopefully we'd have more sort of modern designs. What, what sort right. of designs do are they look at nowadays? What, what, what are the things they look at now and say, oh, this, we think this would be a safe reactor because of these reasons? Is there, is, what's the latest reactor, I suppose, is what I'm asking? Right. I guess you look at a, a number of the new designs have a lot more emphasis on Passive, passive cooling. Probably the leader in all that is the the Westinghouse AP one thousand. Westinghouse, the guys pa- who make refrigerators. Exactly, exactly. And um, nuclear reactors. Um, it seems. Wow. And, and nuclear reactors. And I think Can we combine them in one? There's, there's actually they have combined them in one. The, yes. Some, some, of, some of another point. Uh, <laughs> in a real quick aside here, one of one of the innovations that they decided was a really interesting idea, and then rapidly thought maybe we should not do this anymore is to in order to make a smaller containment building around the oh plant, no what westinghouse came up with this, <laughs> this idea that they would hang giant baskets of ice inside the <laughs> nuclear plant so and this gets back to the defending against pipe breaks because the pipe when the pipe breaks it lets out all this steam which expands and pressurizes the building yeah. and in the general electric reactors, they would make sure the steam would bubble through some water to condense and keep the building from pressurizing. (laughs) Westinghouse decided, ah, well, we can go one better. We'll just hang big baskets of ice so the steam will come out, hit the ice, and melt it all, and that'll take care of And all will be well. All will be well. I I want to imagine that they they wouldn't trust the ice unless it had been shipped from the Arctic. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yes. Right. They, they make it themselves. Well, they, they have these massive ice trays. You just reach in, you press the button, it gets burp, all this it, ice falls out. Right. And, and then there, you can switch it from cube to crushed That's ice. It, There's yes. another, yeah. another button that just delivers Some novelty ones. So if, if, Westinghouse would like to, if Westinghouse would like to support our podcast, we're happy to promote your wonderful crushed ice nuclear power plant. <laughs> you know, this was all well and good up until somebody realized, you know, we have to maintain giant freezers inside... <laughs> a nuclear containment building yes. for the next 40 or 50 years. And I, on the outside of the plant, it's at like 32, well, I guess zero C. Let's try let's yeah. try this. And then, <laughs> you know, you get at like 500 degrees F inside the reactor. Yes. So it's like you've got this very, very hot thing and then a very, very cold thing on the outside. It's like, okay, uh, maybe we should come up with a different way of doing this. So, <laughs> so, so no. <laughs> as designs evolved, they, they decided, well, we'll just put a big tank of water above the, the containment building on the outside, and then we'll have it set so if there's an accident, we can open a valve, and it will drain water onto the containment building, and you'll have natural circulation between this concrete shield building and this metal containment structure, and it'll circulate air through the right. building, and, and that will keep the containment cool. You don't need any electrical power for that. It just... just Sure. It's just natural circulation. Mm-hmm. So a lot, there's a lot of emphasis on things like natural circulation and don't fight gravity. You know, yeah. gravity's your friend. So let's use that. <laughs> you know, you know, spend a, you know, and and since there haven't been a lot of nuclear plants being built in the last 20 years, they've had a lot of time to think about ways of, of doing that. Sure. Mm. So that's 
that's been kind of the emphasis in the last 20 years. Now, as I understand it, there are a couple of things you can make nuclear power from. You can get uranium, yes? Yep. Yep, uh, plutonium. Which, actually, uranium is uranium. awesome because Australia has about a quarter of the world's supply of uranium up in the northern Queensland area. We have, we have so much uranium, it's crazy. Mm. Uh, yes. And, and unfortunately, it's we, right yeah. under one of our most beautiful places, Kakadu National Park. Just scoop off all and, them birds and, so, and crocodiles yeah, and we'll be ah, fine. So we have a big problem there. <laughs> well, let's see that most of the uranium is now mined from by a process called in-situ leaching, where they basically dissolve it out and just add water and... This isn't, this slurp, isn't fracking, it is it? It's not, you're not talking about fracking. No. Oh, good. No, Phew. this isn't... No, no. I mean, oh, yeah, that would be the best of both worlds. It's radioactive and fracking. Fracking radioactive. Great. So, you know, how to make yourself the most unpopular person in the nation. What day. are you talking about? You've never heard of fracking before. Only in uh, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh, well, Dan, we'll have to yeah, we'll put a link up for what fracking is. Basically, fracking is putting water up into the ground yeah. and then shattering. The pressure shatters the rocks and it allows natural gas to escape. And there's a lot of argument whether this is good or bad and how much damage it does and whether it contaminates water supplies. And uh, there's, a big, there's a big debate going on so in America with uranium, and in Australia. Yes. And you get all sorts of wonderful right. gases and yes, particles yes, flying up right. into and the helium. national park. Oh, I've got to get some more of that helium. <laughs> right, you, you, know, you turn on the faucet and the, the blue flame comes out. <laughs> yeah, you know. they do worry about that sort of stuff. But so, it's Which a, is pretty awesome if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, look, good for cooking. I, I, want, I want a tap that actually is the blue flame tap, and then I want the cold water and the hot water tap. I don't want them all on the same one. <laughs> uh, call me old-fashioned. Right. I like just to switch on my tap and get a nice cold glass of water, not burning flame. I know, I'm crazy. Right. What can I say? They leach it out of the ground. Now, that's so the uranium. So that's one way of getting it out without disturbing the life on top of the ground. Is that right? Right. Oh, okay. I didn't you know, know about and, that. And the, the nice thing about that is since you're, well, for one thing, you're not dis- disrupting the, the surface. The other thing is you're not digging out. I mean, you can't remove all of the uranium from the rock. And, and besides, there's a lot of other stuff in the rock aside from uranium. You know, mm. Our friend thorium and... You know, radium and other radioactive materials. So, well, one of the big issues with uranium mining is dealing with what they call the tails, the leftovers. So, once you've crushed it and it pulled out all the uranium, it's still slightly radioactive and maybe giving off radon gas or something. So, it's best just to leave it underground if you have a choice in the matter. Right. Okay. Oh, there you go. Mm. Now, you mentioned thorium. Ooh. That was the now th- that ranks. Ooh. I know thorium for the for the total layman like Dan and ourselves. We've read like enough to be dangerous about this. Thorium seems like the magical answer to all our nuclear problems. Is that is that even vaguely correct? But my gut feeling is no, because you need to build up an infrastructure to make use of it. Thorium is thorium itself is not nuclear fuel. It's sort of like a precursor to fuel. Right. But the fuel you're actually making is uranium two thirty three because there's three varieties of nuclear uranium that we really care about. There's U two thirty five which is the stuff that goes in the normal reactors uh, that that we care about. There's U-238, also called depleted uranium, or if you add a neutron to it, it turns into plutonium-239. And then you've got, that's your plutonium stream, which is a fuel. Mm. Thorium doesn't actually fission very well, but it will absorb a neutron and decay away down to uranium-233. And that, your fuel... Stocks are still going to be uranium and plutonium. But the thing is, the nice thing about thorium is that you, 
well, there's ten, about ten times as much easily extractable thorium than there is uranium. Right. Thorium is essentially, it's a waste product. I mean, nobody knows what to do. I mean, they got thorium coming out of their ears. It's like, you know, just get, you know, it's, it's like the like episode where they, idiot. you know, I've, they, been, I've been saving all the thorium from all my smoke detectors. <laughs> the guy keeps coming over to check and they get, oh, the, the thorium's oh. gone. I have to replace it. Oh, oh no, that's the MREs. The thorium you're thinking of is the, from the, the lantern mantles. If you, if you ever went camping with a kerosene lantern, they would have oh. these, the, the little, the little lantern, the mantle that would glow on fire, and they used to coat those with thorium. Oh, my goodness. Until somebody said, maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah, don't stop my lad. My father has, um, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but he had a watch that glowed, and the, the little hands oh. glowed up, and they worked out, they was like massive recall of, yeah, let's stop making those watches, yeah. because it, yeah. used, it, uh, it used radioactive material. <laughs> Right, it's you know, like radium or something, like a radium, <laughs> radium watch. Yeah. And like, that's why I have know, one eye, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, if you look at the history of from the time that when radioactivity was discovered to when people started finding out the biological effects of it, yes. you get some pretty horrible stories about people who would paint the radium on the watch dials and yep. they would sharpen the tips of their brushes by sticking it in their mouth and you there, know there used to be radium tonic so-called radio yeah oh, yeah so you could drink it's, radium because there's so much energy in radium then you put it in your body you'll get more energy and you, the oh, health oh, of the right. sun yeah in yes. drink form there was a oh. read a story I, I, I wish i had the name handy because it otherwise just sounds like a friend of a friend type of story but you know this is a fairly wealthy guy loved his radium tonic or something and died a horrible, painful death because consumed a lot of yeah. you know, radioactive material that went into his bones. And like, the, the same problem was with lead, yeah. wasn't it? Mm, yeah, it lead. Paint, lead. Lead on their fa- yes. face and stuff. That's right. Well, it's a, that gets right back to so, Rome, though, with so yeah. lead. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I just worry that right. in 20 years' time, we'll be saying the same stories about mobile phones. Yeah, or, or the, yeah, Gorilla Glass or something like that. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, it's going to be something completely innocuous, like, you know... Uh, Hugs. You know, like yeah, vinyl seats or hugs or or uh, body wash, you know, deodorant or something. I don't use deodorant; it's fine. I'm, I'll be absolutely fine. I don't hug people. You, just, you just use those crystals. That's right. <laughs> Glow in the dark crystals. They're great. <laughs> but, okay, so we, we we keep painting this. I keep. I don't want. We didn't yeah. invite you on to promote this this really negative picture. We keep going, <laughs> It'll kill you at every opportunity. I know. I feel, I feel horrible. <laughs> you know. See, I didn't get my. PR check this month, so you know, where's you know, <laughs> so, I'm gonna be a paid nuclear shill. I want my, my but it's, but, okay. uh, it's not all bad. No, I mean, ser- <laughs> seriously, it's like the, the deal with thorium is if you could set currently, we're on a uranium once through at least in the U.S., it's a once through fuel cycle where you dig up fresh uranium, you build, you know, put it into fuel, hmm. you run the, the fuel through the reactor for uh, three cycles, pull it out stick it in a can and wait for Congress to figure out what to do with it in a couple hundred years <laughs> yes. from now. That, that's, that's the, I mean, that's, mm, mm. to be perfectly honest, that's that's the plan right now. We're going to stick it in a can, put it in the backyard, put a fence around it, put up a big sign that says, do not stick tongue on can. And, you know, that's <laughs> how, how we're going to deal with this. When the sign rusts and falls down, we, we paint up a new one and stick it on, on the fence. Right. Oh, goodness but me. Some countries, they, they reprocess the fuel to get plutonium out of it and keep burning that as fuel stock. Right. They, they are dismantling nuclear weapons and taking that plutonium and putting it into fuel. So it's, you know, it's bombs to light bulbs. 
Sure. I mean, one of the nice things about thorium is you can't make a bomb out of it. You can't really oh. make a bomb out of you. They knew about thorium technology back at the beginning of all this, but their goal in the mid-40s was to make a bomb. And thorium right. wasn't important because you couldn't make a bomb out of it. You couldn't make a bomb out of anything from thorium. Right. So okay. it sort of got sidetracked. There's an emphasis, oh, we'll, just, we'll make these reactors. They'll make plutonium. We can use that as a plutonium fuel cycle. Oh, and then we get all our stuff for bombs. bombs. Right. Uh, so if other, other countries, you know, occasionally some other country goes, yay, we, we're making a – well, they get discovered that they're making nuclear power or nuclear plants. And they say, no, 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 no. Right. It's, it's, all for, it's all for power generation, not for bombs. We promise, we promise, we promise. And then and the world right. gets a little bit edgy. And then if, if they could come out, if they were honestly doing that, they could go, we're making thorium reactors. We can't be making a bomb out of this. Yeah. I so, mean, that's you, bit, you, yeah. and then the electricity weapons come out. <laughs> so Tesla exactly. coil. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Exactly. <laughs> then, then, then we're back to fracking and toasters and the whole <laughs> I never want to, I will, around. excuse me, sir, I will never frack a toaster. How dare yeah. you? I don't care how cute they are. <laughs> how much for a pop job? Oh, uh, but okay. So, you can't, so, they, so they can't make weapons out of thorium reactor leftovers tailings. The U.S. in its infinite wisdom, budget, and poor judgment, <laughs> actually made a couple of bombs out of U-233 just to see if it could be done. Yes, uh, uh, you can look it up with. I think it's called Operation Teapot. They did it. But they're like, well, let's did it sort of as an experiment just to prove we could. It's yeah. not anything you're likely to do. And you know, pretty much any country that's got nuclear weapons didn't do it through their power program. Right. I mean, they went straight for the bomb. So if you want a nuclear power program, I don't see why you shouldn't have one, provided you're not like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, batshit crazy. <laughs> you, that's right. Feel free to bleep that out. No, 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 no. We'll, we, we, we quite like that. That's fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I don't know what your official policy is on uh, on people cursing on the air. Oh, uh, we, 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 we bleep F-bombs, yes. C-bombs, and teapots. A teapot. We don't say... If one of those goes We off. don't use a teapot in this, in this interview. Thank you, sir. We, we just, we've lost all respect for you now. <laughs> okay, well, I, I apologize. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I really don't know much about the, the F-bomb. I'm more of the H-bomb myself, <laughs> but, you know... Uh, See, uh, yes, yeah. I'm here all night. <laughs> now, Bob, the uh, the with the, talking about the leftovers, like put them in cans, and that's sort of, I mean, that, that's a big problem with nuclear power, isn't it? I mean, I mean, it, let's face well, it. It's, it's I mean, coal coal does have a problem. We've learnt now that coal puts out so much carbon dioxide, and and the world's coming around to that. We are actually changing the environment through that right. process. So that's um, some people disagree, but the science more than ninety percent of the scientists, climate scientists, say, "Yep, this is the problem. We are doing it." So that's that's what Smart Enough to Know Better is going to follow the science, but. Uh, yeah. And so the, on the other side, we've got nuclear power saying, hey, no CO2, but unfortunately, 10,000 years of glowing ooze. So it, it, is that a major problem? Is there anything we can do with it to get rid of it or use it oh, or yeah. something like that? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's not like there's no solution. It's just that no one lets us do what we know needs to be done because there's – I'll start talking like a conspiracy theorist if I go into, into <laughs> well, motives well, behind no, it. But That's okay. No, but, so, well, uh, well, well, smart enough to know better is willing to let you do it. But if we had the money, Bob, we'd let you well, do yeah, it. So, so, right. so, so sell it to us. No, but I mean, you know, essentially the problem is this once-through fuel cycle. I mean it's as if you – I'm going to go out. I'm going to get a, a six-pack of beer. I'm going to drink all – the beer and just leave the bottles in my kitchen, and I'm just going to let them accumulate. Well, do you ever take these out to perhaps recycle them? So, oh no, we can't do that. That would 
that would require too much. You know, somebody might, you know, take a bottle and break it against the curb and mayhem would ensue and we can't allow that. So we'll just leave these bottles in the kitchen where we know they're safe. From How do you know what my kitchen looks like, Bob? That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) That's eerily close to my kitchen. He's talking to Australians. He's making a statistical guess. Beer, Beer bottles, Australians. Well done. Go on. I guess. And I, uh, the reason that they take the fuel out of the reactor and put it in a can is not because it's out of fuel. It's because it's sort of the same reason you change your oil. It's, it's not that there's no oil left. It's because there's too much crap in it. So what you do is, you know, what you could do is just separate the fuel from the crap that remains. Now you have a much smaller amount of material. And it's also stuff that doesn't last as long. All the stuff that when they say it's like, oh, this stuff lasts 10,000, 100,000 years, it's like they're talking about the uranium and the plutonium, which are essentially fuel, which can be thrown back into a reactor and burned off. That's what, you know, oh, so I mean. The same thing that makes it radioactively gross out in the environment is the same energy that you're using to make the turbine go. Right. Yeah. So it's like if you just make sure it doesn't come out of the reactor, keep putting it back in, and then you take the other stuff that has like maybe a 500-year half-life or, you know, or a 500-year life, not 500-year half-life, but, mm. you know, 60, 80, 100-year you know, half-life. Yeah. That, that's primarily like uh, the cesium and strontium and stuff like that. Mm. That is a smaller volume. You can package that up and stick it someplace, and nobody's going to make a bomb out of it, at least not something that's going to explode. Yeah. Um, what other bombs I are mean, there? I mean, you might be able to, you know, you can threaten people with it, but I mean, that's about all you're... Well, estrontium and cesium is quite um, also poisonous as well, isn't it, in, in its right. own right? Not just radioactive, but it's poisonous more so. so. Well, it's like, uh, I mean, strontium is chemically similar to calcium, and the, that's the, the big problem with it, is uh. that it, it, it accumulates in, in bones and teeth, and once there's, there's a notion of a biological half-life as well as a radioactive half-life, Life, like okay. how long does it take for half of this stuff to come out of the body after it's gone in? Mm. So it's, I think, maybe a year for cesium, and it's like 80 years or 40 years or something for strontium. So oh, okay. once strontium goes into the system, it pretty much doesn't want to come back out. So you're mm. stuck with radioactive crap in your teeth and bones, which is one of the reasons they stopped the above-ground nuclear testing and stuff, sure. because it was putting stuff into the into the atmosphere. So that's really the stuff that you want to keep away from people. But as far as the uranium and plutonium, it's like just strip that out and stick it back in a reactor where it belongs. And there'd be so less, I'm assuming there'd be less material too. If it's being, if more yes. was being used, then you wouldn't have a barrel. You might only have half a barrel or something like that. I mean, just pulling numbers out right. of the air here. But there's less material. Yeah, okay. Yes, it's even less to deal with. And yeah. I mean, you would need to do that anyways for the thorium cycle because if you're going to convert thorium into uranium-233, mm-hmm. you're going to need to you know, have some way of chemically processing or separating out the, the uranium from the thorium just to get you know, to balance your, your fuel out. Sure. We're still going to have a nuclear waste problem even if we shut off all the reactors because there's still so much that comes out of industrial processes or the medical industry. Yeah. So it's already here. You might as well get used to dealing That's with easy. it. Well, we've got one last question, a very important question. Dan, you've got a question, don't you? I went and did some dengue fever vaccine trials recently. I think I must have been the control because I developed no superhero powers whatsoever. It's very sad, yes. If, uh, if we could get near a, a nuclear reactor, what's the best one to get close to and, and how best to activate any internal latent, superhero yeah, powers that's that we right. have? And, and what sort of animal should I be bitten by to gain its powers? 
Um, you being a I nuclear engineer, would... you must know about superpowers. Don't don't hold back, Bob Abthorpe. Don't oh, you no, dare. Oh no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one of your natives, the platypus. Absolutely. <laughs> they have a spur. Don't miss the platypus. They have a, they they have they a poisonous have po- spur. They have a poisonous spur, but even better, their bill is a big EMF detector. <laughs> It is, it is. It is like it will pick up your cell phone reading or your emissions, oh. I, and I, I am. I am not making this part up. They. They actually have thought that this. This is how the platypus finds things to eat when it's swimming around because it can. It can sense like the electrical emanations from the nerves of crawfish and whatever things it eats. With my platypus so sense, like, I can detect a new episode of Game of Thrones coming down the internet. It, exactly. I, I don't even if see all... the coat anymore. I just see blonde, brunette, redhead. <laughs> Thank you, platypus man. That's awesome. Okay, so we'll go with the platypus. So, I mean, can, can nuclear power give you superhero... Sorry, can nuclear power give you superhero powers? I have great superhero powers. I've, I'm able to accumulate a great pile of liquor bottles with only the flip of a plastic card. <laughs> no, seriously, you know, I think you mostly just lose your hair. Oh. And with <laughs> that uplifting it, you're nose... Kind of like Lex Luthor. Like, he was a genius. We, we should do this again sometime and we'll, we'll get, like, good Bob. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to shave off the goatee and I'll say, I love Lifter. Lifter's a great concept. Why aren't you listening to me? <laughs> seriously, I, lo- I love the molten salt reactor. I just wish, you know, but it's, we're, we're kind of torn between the old ways are best. Let us use the dead technology because the dead technology is so understood. It's not funny. And this new stuff, ah, uh, that's for you kids with your crazy music and get off my lawn. Okay. And the thing so is, I mean, you, you shut down those salt reactors and then all those scullery maids are out in the That's street. That's right. It's very sad. Surely you can, you can retrain people. <laughs> hmm. There are new technologies coming through and new designs coming through. I and mean, maybe we just have to be a little bit more brave to actually start well, developing these technologies. I learned a thorium when I was in college. I learned about the molten salt reactor sort hmm. of in college. And I was fascinated by it then, but it's like you you go online and there are people who are just like frothing about how oh, this is going to be our savior. It's like, you know, there's actually, a, you know, some serious problems with dealing with hydrofluoric acid, which is right. really toxic and painful. And, yeah. and it works and we've made one, but nobody, nobody's gone through all the licensing. I mean, you have to go through this massive amount of paperwork to get it and nobody's even started on that. So sure, sure. it can't save us if we can't buy it off the shelf. You know, Australia is very unique in in a number of ways that I won't go into. But I mean, unique. Australia's exactly. But, but you know, Australia is unique because it was you know used by the British as a, as a testing ground, and that's yes. that's naturally going to make you predisposed. It's like you know, Pommy Brits coming down, blowing up my outback. You know, what's <laughs> what's with that? So, um, you know, I don't want you or your technology here ever again. On the other hand, it's like you've got these huge coal reserves that are we know are destroying the environment. Yes. You've got massive, massive uranium deposits that are primarily an export. If you've got them, yeah. why doesn't Australia use them? You know, Australia could be in the position of a world leader for clean power if you know they've you know they've got if they just them, had you know, the political will, that's what uh, comes down to it. Well, are you implying well, that, but, that maybe all of this valuable coal that is giving the, the, the yeah. making the country financially stable while every other country in the world is falling apart? Yeah. Are you saying that that maybe we should just give that up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't know I about know that. I'm, say, I'm <laughs> saying that perhaps if you used a bunch of nuclear reactors to generate a lot of process heat, you could turn all that coal into oil, and then 
you could maybe sell that instead of coal. And I ex- as, as we as we run out of easily reachable oil stocks. And now with the entire Australian economic issue just dealt with in one mighty <laughs> blow. Thank you, Bob Apple. This- you you fell for our ploy. You've given up your secrets, and now the Australians will have more oil in Saudi Arabia. You watch us. <laughs> and when the when, the when the problem hits the fan, when the boo hits the fan, I assume the uh, the Western fleet of America will turn up on our eastern shore, <laughs> waving. <laughs> Happily. We will be there with knife and fork in hand, <laughs> HB sauce, and some del- some of your delicious meat pies. Oh, thank you, Bob Apthorpe, Senior Nuclear Engineer and Nuclear Safety Analyst, for talking us through here at Smart Enough to Know Better. Hi there. Welcome to Carl's Tree Arborium. I'm Carl. Jehovah, creator of the light and the firmament. Seriously? Nice. I use them all the time. So what can I do for you? I'm looking to do some landscaping. Something that really captures what I'm all about. Hmm. Well, we've got plants yielding seed. And over here, fruit trees of every kind that bear fruit with the seed in it. Oh, these are nice. Yes, I'll definitely grab some of those. I'm also looking for something that really sets the whole place off. Well, then look no further than this. Wow. This is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Oh, this is perfect. Mankind is going to love this. Oh, you have pets? Yes. This garden is for them. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't have a tree of knowledge in there. Oh, I think I can. I am God. I can do whatever I want. No, look. If mankind eats from the tree of knowledge, they'll die. They can't die. They will if they eat from this tree. Then I will tell them not to. You're going to tell mankind not to do something. Why would they listen to you? I am their god! Nope, I'm not selling it to you. What? You can't have it. No, please. I love it. I love it! I'll... I'll put it into the other garden. Do you really have a second garden? Yes. It's fenced off. From mankind. Just understand, if they get to it, they'll become mortal. They won't. Big fence. Big fence. All right, then. I'll get the boys to put it in your truck. Where the hell am I going to get a fence from? Jerk. Nah, I'll just tell them. Our CryptoZoo segment... (gasps) has gone a little bit skew-if because proper crypto zoo, as was pointed out after the credits last time, Mm -hmm. uh, involves things that could possibly exist. Like superheroes? No, like, well, yeah, but not specific superheroes from Marvel, for instance. Yes. But I would prefer to talk about them. Oh, fine. So, fine. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the crypto zoo. We both watched The Avengers. We did! I watched it three times! You sure have. And the Hulk was cool! There was some storyline about a cube and some other stuff, and, and but I don't care because Hulk smashed. I've got to say, 
was pretty impressed with the Hulk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fun. Yeah, but, and a nice build-up. Because mm, yeah. there's a lot of teasing. Don't like me when I'm angry. And you're like, Don't oh, I can't wait yeah. to see some Hulk action. Gonna, so you, uh, you are looking forward to it. Uh, so it was quite fun to watch him uh, hurtling around like a whole bunch of mountain gorillas in a, a suit. A very angry pinball. Yeah. <laughs> and indeed, it is the Hulk I want to talk about. <gasps> Yay! Because in that film, mm. there's a tiny little spoiler. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for Avengers. A, hey, Americans, we saw it weeks ahead of you. <laughs> no, I six was, days. No, no, I, well, I saw it weeks. Mm, weeks. You, and what about that cool bit at the end after the credits? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. We don't get that. We don't Americans, get that. Because the Americans had to have win something. It's not fair. Yeah. But I was reading reviews a week after I saw the movie. Mm. Like, it was an American reviewer going, I've reviewed this movie. <laughs> I'm a day ahead of you. And I was like, mm, I don't care. I'm seven days. Boom. So it was petty, <laughs> but I had to. Had to win something. Uh, <laughs> in the film, fairly close to the beginning, yes. Bruce Banner says that he's he was at the end of his rope because he couldn't control this monster can, inside. Can I just him. point something out? Yeah. Can I just point something out? Yeah. My two favorite superheroes. Yes. Both are named Bruce. Bruce Wayne, the Batman, and yep. Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Well, I don't know whether you can call Batman a superhero. He just back off, man. Hey. Any man who can kill Superman, is, you can you can go to hell. Batman can't kill Superman. I don't don't even start. Don't even start. Superman could kill Batman by looking at him. Yeah, but he wouldn't know where to look. He's like, I thought he was over there. But he's, he's got X-ray vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it doesn't make a difference, man. He gets he's go, got super hearing. He'd, be, he'd, he'd crash through the wall, the ceiling, and go, I'm here to kill you, Batman. X-ray vision. Wait, all these walls are hidden in lead. Damn it, where is he? I can't possibly find him. Oh, no, a terrible trap I never thought of. He stuck kryptonite. A, he stuck a kryptonite urethra into me when I wasn't looking. Now I'm peeing fire. That's why I don't write comic books. Anyway, yeah. Hulk, Hulk. There are a lot of reasons you don't write comic books. <laughs> but the Hulk, yes. uh, Bruce Banner t- says that he, in his darkest time, he took a gun to his head. Yes. And the other guy, i.e. the Hulk, yes. spat the bullet out. I had shivers when he said that. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh that's cool. That, oh. That's quite dark. Yeah, that's quite dark. It is dark, but it's also the Hulk won't let him die. Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome to have an awesome friend who went, no, 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 you can't do something dumb like kill yourself. I will stop you. And when it's inside you, you have no choice. Yeah. Uh. So what happens then? Because he gets angry and the Hulk comes out. Yes. And he tries to kill himself and the Hulk comes out. Yes. So what happens to the Hulk over the course of his life? And does he die a natural death when he's like 90 years old? Oh, well... um, Bruce Banner. Like, what happens to him? Well, actually, Dan, this has been covered in the comics. So oh, I, I don't to, read comics. I, so I had to be a little bit more careful. I mean, it is I'm, I'm older than 14, so Greg. I, I'm <laughs> mentally <laughs> older than 14. So what I'll do is I'll have to stay quiet in this one and let you th- think your way through it. All right. And then I'll say what I've read in comics. Okay. All right. So you, you've got the canon. I, no, well, people would argue that too. Right. But, but yes, okay. They, uh, in okay. certain stories. So it's, he's, it's all about the rage. Yes. So when, when he gets really angry... Boom. Or stressed. Or stressed. Stressed as well. Yeah. Oh, all right. Not, not just angry. He's when he gets okay. stressed. Well, we, let's face it. Putting a gun to, into your mouth and pulling the trigger wouldn't, might not make you angry. No, that would be a very stressful situation. Very stressful situation. situation. Yeah, that's right. So it's stress as well. And in the movies, in the Edward Norton one, he was, when he was going to make sweet, sweet love to his sweet, sweet missus, they had to put a thing on his arm to, uh, to check his heart rate. And he was like, oh, I can't go any further because the big guy might come out. Oh, wow. And he wasn't talking about, he was talking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, so no, so yes, it's stress. Okay, so basically, don't get a don't get a really high impact job. 
Like, for instance, working for the Avengers. <laughs> That's right. He wasn't trying to work for the Avengers. He better get a it? Mac. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Blue screen of death! Green screen of um, death! Well, unfortunately, with a green screen of death, you wouldn't be able to see him. You'd only see the background. Green screen. Ah, green screen? Green screen of death? A little uh, bit of an AV joke I, there. High five there? Oh, yeah. I suppose so. <laughs> oh, I feel dirty. <laughs> Yay! Eventually, he'll become like a middle-aged guy. Yep. A lot of stress yep. in that sort of lifestyle, yep. I imagine. Hulk can't Still pay his Hulk mortgage. Is... Ah! Hulk does taxes. Ah! Hulk's teenager is yeah. being irritating. <laughs> Go to your room. Gurm, Hulk... you just destroyed my room, Hulk's... Dad. <laughs> Hulk's daughter's stress is too high and low. Ah! I'm anxious about meeting daughter's boyfriend. <laughs> Try to remain calm. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> I'm sorry, we have to break up. <laughs> Would she be a Hulk, though? Like, is it passed down genetically? No. Oh, no. Okay. We're, we're this, saying no? In this story, no. Right, in this story, no. Okay, fair enough. Cool. I know. You're the one who wrote the comic books. Oh, well, this... Okay, so what do you think? So he's getting older, he's getting stressed. He's so... Can't pay his mortgage. So he's 70 years old. Yes. And... Oh, and one idea that came up, and this I cribbed, stole, from <laughs> Girl Clumsy. Oh. Our friend Girl Clumsy, who wrote about the Hulk getting colon cancer. <laughs> That's right. And I think punching it out of existence well, or something. In her story, she, everyone should read that. It's on girlclumsy.com. No one could operate on him because every, every time he'd try and put him under, the Hulk would come out and punch a doctor through a wall. Yeah. So he was dying from, basically Bruce Banner was dying from um, colon cancer and no one could save his life. Mm. But if he got some sort of really awful disease like that and mm. it kept growing, yes. then the pain would become unbearable and he'd just be the Hulk the whole time. Well, and every time he turned back into Bruce Banner, he'd be like, oh, it's still... I, I always think, because the Hulk can regenerate. He's actually, he can come back from, like, you, you damage the Hulk. He doesn't stay damaged for very okay. long. So I, my take on that, now, God comes to know this, but I would say, well, as soon as he transformed into the Hulk, the Hulk's cells would just destroy the tumor. No, no, no. Because, just kill the tumor. No, but cancer is your own cells. Uh, yes, but it is. It's, but, it's, it's your own system creating stuff. But so, he's so angry, his cells would punch, punch each other. But that, do, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, but a green Bruce, man, we have to jump a kilometre in the if, air, does? If Bruce Banner's body <laughs> yes. wasn't smart enough to stop the, to reject the tumour cells, yes. then why would the Hulk's body be any different? It's your own body but it's, but it's going his, wrong. It's his body, but a, but a million times... He has times, been exposed to a lot of gamma radiation, <laughs> as I might left faster, it. Faster, stronger, he can... I mean, it's, in this movie, it's what I was quite shocked about was how fast the Hulk was. Normally, he's like a lumbering idiot. And this movie, they went, no, 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 he can chase you down. You can't even run away from the Hulk in, this, in the Avengers because he will just happily go through walls and run faster than you. So he's faster, stronger. His immune system's like, up the wahoo. It's yeah, great. Yeah, but it's not about the immune system. The immune system doesn't battle cancer. Well, my, well, maybe the Hulk does. No, but why would it? Because he's the Hulk. No, you, look, you can't just ah, keep saying that. No, no, no. I think I can. I think. So, getting old, <laughs> yeah. he has a heart attack. Yeah. And then, poof, Hulk. He, so he's got a dicky heart. Yes. Heart gives out. Stress. Stress, Hulk. Yes. Fine. Yep. Back to Bruce, Bruce Banner, dicky heart. And so, eventually, he's just going to be popping back and forth. As like, like shrouding his Hulk. He's always indeterminate. <laughs> Smash! <laughs> That's right. Hulk is angry and not angry. Hulk is always angry. <laughs> Boom. Take that, Schrodinger. He'd go through rocking chairs like nobody's business. <laughs> what you could do, though, you could attach magnets to his shoulders. Everything comes down to magnets and some sort of coil of wire. And every time he, cause he's transforming to the Hulk and back, he's like getting huge and shrinking, huge and shrinking. Oh, so and, huge. and by moving the, the wire through the magnetic field, you'd be generating power. Yay! It's always 
everything's about generating power. Everything's about generating power. But I thought maybe the thing that would stop this would be dementia. Oh, that'd be sad. Because dementia patients don't get stressed. They don't get... Oh, oh I suppose they, no, they, they Sometimes do. they chuck little wobblies, don't they? Yeah, they, yeah. You, they, don't, you don't want to be a nurse around. No, and... Bruce Banner, the dementia patient. Yeah. Well, it doesn't necessarily follow the Hulk would be have dementia. Because the Hulk, we, we see him as an idiot, but he's not really. In the comics, he's... He can speak and he mm. can reason. He just gets. He's just filled with rage. He's just too angry to deal with. Rage stuff. blind. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I mean, maybe Banner would be uh, have Alzheimer's and degenerative disease, but maybe the Hulk wouldn't. Maybe mm. Hulk's cells would be fine. Yeah, he'd, he'd be like the clever. So one. that would heal him, I guess. Maybe, maybe, but maybe maybe there's two states. Maybe yeah. tra- maybe it's a flip flop. Maybe it's Schrodinger's yeah. Schrodinger's Hulk. Maybe he would have two. Between oh, the and three. then he'd want to be the Hulk more often. Well, the Hulk he did, wouldn't. The Hulk does. That's something they didn't really bring into the movies at all. The Hulk wants to be the Hulk. The Hulk ah. doesn't want to be... The Hulk's not Bruce So what ba- turns him back? He calms down. He, he has a bit of a calm, and he has a sit down and looks at... So he Hulk, can't just stay angry. Well, well, well. the Hulk goes and looks at butterflies, and the Hulk... No, no, of, he wants to stay the Hulk, though. He does, but he doesn't... He will still go and try and be happy, and then he'll... Oh, so he wants to be happy Hulk. Yeah, but he, oh, the, he, that's he, crushing. I know it is. That's right. Oh, I've got to read some of these comics. He wants to, re- he wants to, he wants to like go and look at brooks and streams and play with Bambi, and that's what he wants. He wants to, he wants to be like a simple. I love it. And squeeze it and, and smother it with joy. <laughs> and, and wipe it off my chest. <laughs> Turns into a jam. Yeah. So in a lot of the comics, he, he just wants to be left alone. When he's left alone, he transforms back into Banner. But he doesn't like Banner. He's aware in the comics. He's aware that Banner exists, ah. and he's not he, he puny Banner. So Banner's always like, "Damn you, Hulk! You're ruining my life!" And Hulk's like, "Damn you, Banner! Like, you're ruining my life!" So it's Jekyll and Hyde. They, they don't, mm. they don't, they don't like each other. They, but, but Hulk has feelings as well. He wants. He's not Banner in a suit. Oh he's right. Not, he's not Iron Man. He's he's the Hulk. He's, mm. someone, he's someone different. He's not just Banner. Uh, in the comics, in yes. one of the comics, um, Echoes of Future Past, I think it's called. That yep. might be wrong. Uh, but it's in that one, Hulk's the last creature left on Earth. Some of the Hulk's healing reject power crosses over and infects Banner, basically. And Banner outlives people. Like, he's hundreds of years old. Oh, right. Like, he, that's a weird thing in that comic. The Banner himself is like 100, 150, 200 years old. There's a big nuclear war. Everyone else on the Earth is killed. Mm-hmm. Banner, of course, doesn't give a rat's ass about Radiation. He's, you know, the Hulk absorbs it. Boom. Obviously, so it was like bam, and the Hulk's like, "Yeah, I'm stronger and more powerful. More radiation for me." Yeah, so it becomes bigger and stronger and tougher. Oh, is that what feeds some of the Hulk's power? Is... In some of the comics, yes, more gamma radiation makes the Hulk stronger. But, wow! But what actually makes him really strong is is, is annoying him. Hulk is the strongest one there is. The angrier the Hulk becomes, the stronger the Hulk becomes. There's no upper limit to his strength. I read something on the internet recently. No. And in, <laughs> who would win in a fight, the Hulk or an infinite amount of bees? And, <laughs> and, and an infinite amount of bees would sting him so much that the Hulk would just be the universe. He would be so angry that yeah. he'd just punch time or something. Like, and he would continue to get angrier and angrier and angrier <laughs> the more surface area there was being stung. But infinite number of bees, if they could penetrate his skin, that's quite weird. But in, the, in this comic, so Banner got older and older, He's sitting on a rock all by himself. He's very, very sad. Mm-hmm. And then finally he dies. And his heart gives out. He's been holding the Hulk in the whole time. He finally, his body gives out and he dies. The, like, he falls to the ground, but the person that hits the ground is the Hulk. And the Hulk's just there by himself, sitting very quietly on a rock. He can't transform back into Banner. So he's very sad because he's, he's always wanted to get rid of Banner, but now there's no little voice inside him. So the, what, the person he wanted to get rid of the most is now dead and gone yep. inside him forever. He can't go back to it. He's invulnerable. He's the last thing on Earth. He's all sad. Aww. And the last shot is like the Hulk with his, with his like knees up around his chin sitting on a rock 
going, be a Hulk, Hulk quiet and happy now. But really, you know, you oh, you oh, he's not happy at all. He's all lonely and stuff. It's very sad. Oh, everyone, 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 go. You should go home now, everyone. Stop listening to this podcast. Go. This segment is over. Go find the Hulk. Give Hulk in your life and give him a big hug. Sir, sir. Calm down and come in, Jenkins. Have you read the newspaper? It's terrible news. Terrible. Really? I I didn't see anything in today's paper. You missed it. It's right here in the horoscope section. The horoscope section? Yes. Awful, terrible news. It seems that all the Aries are going to meet a tall, dark stranger. Uh... Don't you see? None of the other Zodiac signs are saying, tomorrow you will be a tall, dark stranger for an Aries person to meet. I... I'm confused. If every Aries person on the planet is going to meet a tall, dark stranger, and none of the other Zodiac signs are those tall, dark strangers, then the Earth will suddenly have 584 million extra people on it! Five... Hundred and... And 84 million, yes! Seven billion divided by 12! It'll be a tragedy! Uh, I'm still not getting it, Jenkins. How will we feed and clothe these new half-billion people? It'll destabilize the markets! The price of food and clothes will skyrocket! The chocolate and flour industry will be crushed under the half-billion extra wooings! Billions will starve because they can't buy food! Uh, Jenkins, I I don't think that's how horoscopes work. You're right, sir. Tall, dark strangers can't just appear out of nowhere. That's right. They must be aliens! It's a sexy invasion! Oh, dear. And it gets worse. Of course it does. It says that Librans will be sick this week and should take time off work. Yes? Sir, the global economy is worth $65 trillion. Assuming half the planet population is gainfully employed, then the loss of one-twelfth of the world's working population, that is the working Librans, will lead to a net loss of $208.2 billion to the world's economy. It could lead to a snowballing effect that heralds the beginning of a great financial depression. Jenkins, I think you're over-exaggerating this a bit. I agree, sir. Oh, good. Until I saw the horoscope for Gemini. Oh, dear. It says that all Geminis will get a large financial windfall this week. Now, I'm assuming that large equals about $1,000. So, that means 584 million Geminis will suddenly gain $584 billion. That doesn't sound so bad. Where does the money come from? Is it counterfeit? Was it stolen? You can't just have half a billion dollars turn up out of nowhere. The economy will go gaga. The Gemini windfall mixed with the Liberan sick week and the Aryan tall dark stranger love invasion will surely lead to the destruction of the entire world economy. Jenkins, calm down. It won't happen like that. Horoscopes don't work that way. We ain't gonna lose everything. You're right, sir. We won't. As soon as I saw this horoscope, I sold every last one of our shares and bought the services of 1,000 of the greatest astrologers. They'll keep us out of trouble. You what? You idiot! You've destroyed my company! You've destroyed me! I, I can't be poor! I can't live like this! Sagittarius, 
A window of opportunity will open to your advancement at work. Wow. Walk of shame. Yay, walk of shame. It's what makes the science podcast. Otherwise, it's just two guys rambling. Oh. <sighs> uh, <laughs> and just so people who don't know, walk of shame is when people write in and tell us where we got it wrong. Yeah. Or I listen back while I'm editing and go, what the <laughs> hell are we saying? <laughs> Crazy stuff. Crazy. If you ever think we've said something wrong, definitely get in contact with us. Yeah. And we would love to get your feedback. Because we're a bit thin on the ground for walk of oh, shame this it's, time. It's a bit weird. It's a bit strange. Yeah. I'm sure we've made more mistakes. I'm positive we have. We just Our listeners aren't being nasty enough. Get more anal, you pedants. Come on. <laughs> All right. Now, a couple of podcasts ago, mm-hmm. we stumbled onto the rather amusing fact that I didn't know how the universe worked and that <laughs> I thought that trees turned sunlight oh, yes. into mass. Directly into mass. Directly That's, into yes, mass. Yes. I thought there were these little, I don't know, uh, nuclear furnaces, fission <laughs> reactors <laughs> right. turning I do energy remember that. into... Yes, that was quite shocking. So, yeah, no, yeah, thank you, yeah. Then you turn around and Uh-oh. you said they, they use photosynthesis to take energy from the sunlight. Yes. And they use Certain that wavelength. energy yes. to, as you said, drag things out of the ground and nitrogen out of the air. And I went, all right, cool. So I, and so in my mind, but also there was make, a... Did I, did I, I that, also that's what you said. I also said things about sugars, carbohydrates. That's what they're making. Why didn't they say that? That seems weird. weird. Well, that's, that's what you said. Oh, okay. They're dragging stuff out of the ground. Water and, mainly, and yeah, and water yeah. is very important. And indeed, water is fifty percent of the mass of a and tree. It's weird because I know that most plants can't actually drag nitrogen out of the air because that's not All what right. they do. So I, I must have been mad on that day. Yeah, am I, am I, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Uh, well, what Ooh. I was thinking, well, okay, dragging all those nutrients yeah. that makes sense because you got to put fertilizer down, mm. turns into a tree. But then, as was I found on this website, that's ridiculous because if forests dragged all their nutrients out of the ground, the ground would keep getting lower by a shocking amount. Like, they'd sucking oh, out caves and stuff. Okay, right. And I'm like, well, what, where is all this matter coming from? Yes. Do you know where 50% of the matter, like pretty much all of the solid matter in trees comes from? Where's that? They take in carbon dioxide and they spit out oxygen. Yes. And the carbon from the air. Carbon from the air. Oh. They turn yeah. air into trees, Greg. It's, it's pretty, that's why they want to put trees they, everywhere. They turn air into trees. <laughs> like my table was made of air. Well, not, not this one, obviously. That's chipboard. But, oh no, that's that, that counts. That's wood. That's wood. That's, that's, that's a, lots a lot of trees all chopped up together. Yeah. But I've got a, a big, heavy table out there. It's made of made of post air, <laughs> industrialized air. Oh no, no, forestized air. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Well, so nutrients isn't carbon. So carbon's not a nutrient. Tell... Carbon's not a nutrient. Yeah. Carbon is what... That's like saying your skeleton is a nutrient. No, but we were talking about mass, and you didn't say anything about oh. carbon, di- no, carbon I dioxide. No, I no, you're right. I, so, I apologise. Uh, well, shame, my friend. Carbohydrate. But carbo- the carbohydrates are... Carbohydrates? Did I not mention carbohydrates? Oh, who knows? But I, I, fine, Dan, I will... I will happily walk the walk of shame. All right. Down, and I think that's down it. That's a, the, um... Down a forest of a, a, a nice walk <laughs> of post-air. Post-air. All right. Well, I think that's, that's it. That's Actually, we've got good. another one. Not really a walk of shame. It's Uh-oh. just something we get. We get a lot of mistakes, and someone people point out things to us, and quite often yep. people write in and go, for God's sakes, Greg, stop saying wait for mass. Yes. Stop. You do it. And I do it. I get back and listen. I do have, I have a mm-hmm. habit of shorthand using weight for mass. Yes. And, and sometimes I don't have a problem with that. Sometimes I go, look, it's the yeah. shorthand. I used to hate that when I was a kid. 
Mm. But like Mum was saying, pack me off to Sunday school. I'd have to wait for mass. Uh, very uh, good. Uh, uh, very nice. Uh, 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 but I feel like we're in an episode of the goodies all of a sudden. <laughs> Quick, the whole the building's gonna collapse down. I'm gonna throw pies at you with sauce. No, Steve Nolak, who we interviewed from from our friend at CheapAstro.com, yeah. has very nicely put together a little package, which will explain the difference between weight and mass. Dear Cheap Astronomy, what is the difference between weight and mass? Well, mass is an intrinsic property of matter while weight is an emergent phenomena of whatever gravitational context you happen to be in. So fly to the moon and your mass doesn't change, but you will find that you weigh one-sixth of what you do on Earth at sea level. To measure your weight, you can stand on a set of scales, which are then pushed downwards by your natural tendency to accelerate towards the centre of whatever massive object you happen to be standing upon. So, you will generate a bigger push on scales on Earth then you will be able to generate on scales on the moon, for reasons that are largely irrelevant to your intrinsic mass, as Galileo demonstrated by dropping balls with different masses off the Tower of Pisa, which wasn't leaning back then. Everything accelerates at the same rate in the same gravity field. But it's also the case that the scales are less affected, pushed down, by a feather than by a hammer, whether those scales are on the Earth or on the moon. This is because of mass. Mass represents inertia which is a reflection of what force, measured in newtons, is required to shift a particular mass through the syrupy-resistant Higgs field. You need more force to shift a hammer than you do a feather, presumably because the more massive hammer has more Higgs bosons than the feather does. So the scales, which have their own inertia, are more resistant to a push from a feather than to a push from a hammer whether you are on the Earth or on the Moon. And here's the really cool thing. We flew to the Moon to do an experiment that involved dropping a feather and a hammer from the same height above the Moon's surface. There is a YouTube video of Commander Dave Scott from the Apollo 15 mission doing this very experiment, and the audio sounds like this. Well, in my left hand, I have a, a feather. In my right hand, a hammer. And I guess one of the reasons uh, we got here today was because of a gentleman named Galileo a long time ago who made a rather significant discovery about falling objects in gravity fields. And we thought that uh, where would be a better place to confirm his uh, findings than on the moon. And uh, so we thought we'd try it here for you. Uh, the feather happens to be appropriately a falcon feather for our falcon. And I'll uh, drop the two of them here, and hopefully they'll hit the ground at the same time. How about that? The hammer versus feather effect is immediately apparent on the moon due to the moon's lack of an atmosphere that might otherwise slow up the feather's fall in the way that it does on Earth. Despite their significant Higgs boson-related intrinsic mass differences, the feather and the hammer both fall with the same gravitational acceleration, and hence they hit the ground at the same time. But if you weigh the feather and the hammer on a set of scales on the moon, the hammer will weigh more than the feather. Indeed, they will both weigh a sixth of what they weigh on Earth at sea level. That's the difference between weight and mass. So weight and mass! Finally, it's all been answered. No more questions. I will never make another mistake. But wait. When did Steve I... become a girl? That was Julia. He, she, he, she. <laughs> he, she. He, she works with Steve Nurnick on the podcast sometimes. Because Steve is very busy doing his PhD. Oh, right. So he gets other people to do stuff for him now as well. Clever. So thank you to Julia for letting us use that. That was very cool for mm. weight and mass. And yeah. we will link to the astronaut dropping the feather and hammer 
on the moon. Excellent. When you see it, your brain goes, that doesn't look right. Mm. Now there's only one more walk of shame. It is. Yeah. In episode 24 of Smart Enough Know Better, <laughs> Julia said that Galileo <laughs> oh, no. dropped his balls. He did. That his balls dropped from That's the right. top of the Tower of Pisa. Pisa. That's actually an urban legend. It's an urban that legend. Is. Yeah, he does. He worked with inclined planes. He rolled heavier objects down inclined planes. Get it the same thing because the gravitation, the difference of a ball rolling, as in the vertical components, is, can be separated mm. from the horizontal component. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. yes, he, as far as I'm aware, he never actually no, did that. He never did. But he did get someone to take a photograph of him in front of the tower, <laughs> pretending not to let it fall over on him. But it was much less impressive and didn't make any sense because it hadn't started to lean at that point. <laughs> ben? Ben Grimm. The thing. Karen! Oh, hi. Nice to see you. It's so nice that you could come. There's someone I'm dying for you to meet. Swamp Thing, over there. I'm sure you guys will get along like a house on fire. Why is that, Karen? Oh, because, because you, uh... Yes? Well, you're both, um... We're both what? Um, you're, you're both, uh, scientists! I'm an astronaut, Karen. He was a biologist. Uh, well... We're both things! Is that it? Is that why we get along so well? That is racism at its very worst! I didn't mean... I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, you're sorry. You're sorry. Everyone's sorry. Well, sorry doesn't mean boats, does it, Karen? I only thought... Well, maybe you didn't think, Karen. Maybe no one ever does. Maybe the inherent racism in your behavior... Hey, man, lay off the lady. This is none of your business, Black Panther. Come on, Thing. You're drunk. Take my advice and leave her alone. It'll be a cold day in hell when I take advice from a fury wannabe. In every podcast, we pick a song. Normally me. Yep. Normally my job seems to be to pick a song. And I didn't have one. I didn't have one. Didn't have one. And then suddenly I heard one that would be awesome. Because I thought we don't spend enough time giving equal time to the other side of the argument. We always have our science, about our skepticism. True. And we don't ever, ever talk about Jesus. What? Are you, where are you going? Wait, so, no, what? So I have this time got a song about Jesus. I'm not sure I like the way this is going. Life isn't always easy. It isn't always fun. When you lose direction, your world can come undone. When you're in need of guidance and help is overdue, you might ask yourself this question, what would Jesus do? If he were at a party and the host ran out of wine, he'd make some more with magic and bring on back good times. But in this situation, you couldn't see it through. He's the son of God, and he shits all over you. You can't do what Jesus can do. You're the king of nothing, and he's the king of Jews. He knows every magic trick, you only know a few. Don't even bother asking, what would Jesus do? Can you heal a leper or feed a crowd with fish and 
Awesome. I didn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> you were cackling like a hen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I do like the Axis of Awesome. They're very good. The they four chords, of yeah, course. Two day, a couple of days ago, I, I watched the four chords live ah. that they did at the they Comedy new, Gala a couple of years ago. They have a new four chords as yeah, well. Yeah, they have to update every so often. That live one, though, is just spectacular. But they always say that, I was listening to them, so I got the idea from this, and they were saying they don't make a lot of money off it because... They didn't write it, as in it's. it's oh, all right. There's, there's, people, there's a lot of residuals going some, to a lot of people. I, I, I don't know if they were being serious, but it's that horrible moment of, oh, right, do, do they have to pay people for that? I don't, so I don't know about music. I'm not too sure. But anyway, yeah. that it song, probably costs them 10 bucks every time someone they sell a $1 copy. They, they, maybe it does. They had, they, they, they're like, oh, you know, it's a great song. But yes, that was great. What would Jesus do? I like that. Oh. Yeah, use logic. What sort of dickhead? <laughs> Ask what would Jesus do? <laughs> I cacked myself silly in the car. The first, I've never heard that before. It's quite a few years old. Yeah. Uh, and it's but it's wonderful. So, yay, actors of awesome. Everyone should support them. They're an Australian band of comedic types. They travel the world doing their comedy songs. Definitely look up actors of awesome. Definitely look up Four Chords and buy it so they can make more money. <laughs> or cost you them $9 each time you buy it. <laughs> if, if you were really offended by What Would Jesus Do, buy all their songs and yeah. destroy them financially. <laughs> 
You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And Greg at smartenough.org. You should definitely email us. Say what we got what we got right. Say what we got wrong. Say what you'd like to see on the podcast or hear on the podcast. What century do I live in? And <laughs> basically get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Especially keep in contact when we start doing the Smart Enough Expo. If you can come up with a good name for the Smart Enough Expo, yeah. we would love to have a Smart Enough Expo catchphrase. Yeah. Smart Enough Expo. I can't see what I don't it know is. what it is. Yeah, you got packs, you got RTX, you got Smart, Smart Enough, Enough Expo. Expo. Uh, it'll come to us, it'll come to us. So follow us at SE2KB on Twitter. Definitely. Or if you're not so much a Twitter person and more of a Facebook person, you can like us. We've got a Facebook page now. It's, it's very exciting. You should go on there and go, we love you guys, and put pictures of your boobs. Uh, no, they don't allow boobs on Facebook. No, oh. no they don't allow the uh, areolis. Oh, okay. Whatever they are. Only the areolis. Areolis. Which part? Which part? They don't the, allow boob, the nipples. Right. You're allowed to show boob, but no nipples. Oh, okay, right. That's fine then. That's that good. Yeah. I was born with no nipples. That's fine. Oh, right. You're a bit Marilyn Mansony. Was he born with no nipples? Well, on the cover of his CD, he doesn't have any nipples or genitalia. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But definitely go on to iTunes. Please, ladies and gentlemen, we do ask this a lot, but please go and give us a small review on iTunes. Yeah. That's a number of stars. Write a couple of lines. It really does help yeah. us. One day, minutes, we might even appear on the front page and go, maybe. whoa, and everyone loves this podcast. That's right. And then they'll be mad, fooled into loving us. But definitely go on and, and please give us a rating. Even if you didn't like it, that's better than not rating us at all. Yeah. But please like us. Now, if you want to pick a fight, then pop into the forum where yeah. everyone can watch. Boom! Right Go to the face. website and click on forums. Yay! Bob's your uncle. But stay excellent to each other. Yeah, no, I really do need to go and watch Bill and Ted's bogus journey after the yeah. end of that song. Woo! God gave rock and roll to you. Gave rock and roll to you. Gave rock and oh, soul of everyone. No, it's 24. Oh, what? What? <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was... What? It's episode 24. So? Beep. Beep. It's a... It's 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 my joke. It's my sound effect joke. Because of the TV show 24 oh, right, with right. Kiefer Sutherland. Let's start this again then. From Dark then, City. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's start again. Sorry, I think that, that's a good way to start. So I, I had no idea. It was know. a good way to start until you stuffed it up <laughs> for okay, me. Let's make it. Let's just do, do it again. Do it again. They'll never know. These The animals that we podcast to will never know. This is recording. Yeah, it's recording. Good. <laughs> good. Thank you for accidentally reminding me to check. <laughs> All right. Start again. What are you doing? The random N's and L's that show up, and it's like it's anthorpy, <laughs> apathetic, <laughs> apoplectic, all sorts of things. Now, is, is that does that lead to the that mood coming on? So, hey, are you Bob apoplectic? You bet I am. <laughs> now I am. I'll kill you, people. We are recording, but we haven't started the interview yet. But we don't. We, okay. we normally still start a little more structured than that, just so you know. Uh, okay. <laughs> we do not. Shh, don't ruin the magic. Don't call him apoplectic. Yeah, see, now I've, yeah, it's like, oh, um, I would. Uh, smash. Anyway, <laughs> after the Avengers movie. You know, it is, it is the effect of all that radiation, really. <laughs> 
It's the uh, only time in my life I've ever been offered crack cocaine. Oh, yeah. Well, to buy, not well, to, not for free, obviously. You you can't accuse us of not being hospitable here. <laughs> That's right. Oh, bugger! I was supposed to research that. What? Don't let that stop you. <laughs>